This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Todd Dexheimer, principal of Endurus Capital and Vitacare Living. Uh, he started investing in real estate in 2008. Today, his companies own over $500 million of multifamily, senior housing, and commercial real estate. Todd has completed over 150 flips, including a 20-unit mobile home park, as well as a ski resort, while using those profits to build his rental portfolio. Today, his focus is on syndicating value-add commercial real estate in emerging markets. Todd is also the host of uh, the podcast Pillars of Wealth Creation and is passionate about teaching others how to create business and how to take control of their finances. Todd was a high school industrial tech teacher prior to investing. Todd, it's great to have you on the program. Matt, good to be here, man. Excited. Let's, uh, man, let's rock everybody's world right now. Fantastic. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself? I don't know. You told, you told the whole story. Yeah. I was a, uh, you know, big, big money maker, industrial tech teacher making like 30 grand a year and decided uh, I needed a fresh start. So, uh, you know, after a lot of discovery, after really just figuring out where the heck I could go, uh, business seemed like a good opportunity. Entrepreneurship seemed, Hey, this, this could make sense. And so, uh, started buying uh, buying real estate it was it was right as things were literally imploding uh the world was ending you know, it was 2008 so real estate values already by that time had had plummeted i mean properties that were selling for 250 were selling for $100,000 um, in, in certain areas. And so things were imploding and, and were continuing to go down. Actually, when I bought my first property for about $65,000, that same property would have sold a couple of years later for probably about $35,000, you know, in that neighborhood. So it's just like, man, it, it was, the world was on fire, but it was a great time in hindsight. It was a great time to be uh, starting in, in the game. Excellent. And then, so you started really flipping houses and very, very active, essentially. Yeah, very active. I mean, my, my very, so my first uh, properties, because I bought like three pretty much at once, um, which it sounds like, wow, how'd you have the money as a teacher? I didn't. Uh, I I did a 50, no, uh, what was, what's 203? 203B, I think it's called, 203B loan. Uh, which is a, a FHA type product where you can do a renovation to your house and it'll still only put like the the two percent down type of thing. So it, you know, needed like five grand there, bought a rental house. Uh that we used a ton of our own money, which was like 15 to maybe 20 grand. Uh, and then the third one I actually partnered with somebody and they came up with all the money. But I was the one swinging the hammer. I mean, I, I I can remember being at the the rental house till till super late, you know, weekends, weekdays, every hour I could. I had some friends, some family come over. They would help me. Um, same thing with the with the house that I flipped. I mean, it's just like you know, constant there all the time. And when I wasn't working on those two properties, I was at the house I was living in, which was also a foreclosure and needed a lot of work. And I was working on that one. So yeah, grinding hands-on very much to start. Um, and, and then, you know, flipping 
uh, you know, I started my flipping journey actually, Matt, by not wanting to be a flipper. Mm. Um, I, I didn't. I, that's the last thing I wanted to do was be a flipper. I wanted to own a rental portfolio. I wanted a. I wanted to own a thousand units. That was my goal. That was my dream. If I could do that one day, um, you know, that would be a dream come true. So that's that was what I wanted to do. But I, I ran out of money. Uh, after doing a couple of, uh, after buying a couple single family homes, I, I bought five properties, single families in a, in a duplex. And I ran out of money. I didn't have another option. And so I started flipping houses and those flips created enough revenue to be able to then buy more houses as rentals. And so that was kind of the the process is I would buy, you know, it wasn't a perfect math equation. I wasn't doing exactly, but I would I'd buy three flips, do three flips, and then I would, you know, keep one, I'd keep a house. I'd, I'd buy and keep a house. So, you know, that was kind of how it was, how it was going. I was, I was maybe, I was more or less an accidental flipper, um, but got really good at it and built team out and systems and and got pretty good at doing that. Now with this uh, $500 million with real estate you have, I really doubt you're doing all of the hammer swinging, but uh, are you active with this or or passive or a bit of both? Um, well, we're very active, but it's active in a different way. It's active in managing the asset, right? It's it's active in um, underwriting deals and and we've, you know, we've got an acquisitions manager and we've, you know, but, but we're active at, at looking at deals and then underwriting deals and active in raising capital for the deals, active in, you know, finding the lending partners and, and all of that. And then when the property comes, you know, and, and we, we purchase it, we do value add. So we're very active in the value add process. Again, I'm not swinging the hammer. I'm not on the job site. But we're active in managing the the contractors, uh, managing what's happening there, and managing our property management company to make sure that things are going the right way. They're leasing units and and all that kind of stuff. So we're actively building a company now. We're actively, you know, growing a company, but we're not actively actually physically at the properties so much. I mean, we do, we do go to, right. It's not that we don't never see the properties, but that's not what makes the, it makes the thing work is not us just showing up and, you know, mopping the floors and fixing toilets and stuff like that. And what sort of multifamily are you focused on investing in? So, yeah, our, our multifamily is, uh, Typically a hundred plus units, or I say a hundred plus, I mean, we'll, we'll buy a, you know, an 85 unit and um, we're actually looking at maybe even buying some smaller stuff that is really located close to some of our other properties. So uh, right now we're buying a 94 unit townhouse uh, development. It's kind of like your build to rent model. This has already been built. It was actually built in 2006 to 2008, but a really great community. It's got that built to rent feel. And uh, we just had a, a call the other day and we're like, hey, why don't we buy some of these, some more of these communities that are located nearby? But most of them are, let's call it a 30 to a 50 unit community, which we would have just written off not very long ago. But you know, if we could buy extremely well-located assets that are um, have the look and feel that we want, which we want larger units, we want more um, higher end, newer, 
washer dryer in the unit, garage if we can, if we can have that, all that kind of stuff. Then hey, let's buy some smaller stuff as well, if it makes sense. Not too small. We don't want to go into like the 10 unit or something like that, but 40, 50, 60 unit, we we would look at that too. So that I guess told you what we're focused on and then what we might be buying too. <laughs> Is it about the same size of senior housing that you're looking at too? Mm. So senior housing, uh, we have been buying kind of the smaller assets, although we are looking at as we continue to grow in that, that we would want a little bit bigger assets, not huge. I don't love the 200 unit, you know, massive senior housing uh, portfolio, but, or, or property, but I do like the 50, 60 type bed where it still looks and feels kind of like a house, but it's definitely got scale and size. But right now, most of ours are anywhere between at the smallest, a 10 bedroom and at the biggest, a 36 bedroom and, uh, kind of prefer that 30 to 36, um, is, is what I would say most of our communities are about that 30 to 36 bed community. And what kind of commercial real estate are you investing in? Yeah. So we've got a, a little bit of commercial, not a ton. Um, so I, I've had a couple other properties that I've, I've since sold, but right now what we have is an industrial office, industrial building. It's a single tenant. It's a fantastic oper, you know, operating property. We purchased it and, uh, and, and got the tenant to take the entire space. And so um, that one's, that one's excellent. It's in an excellent location. And then the other one is more of a value add um, retail. It's a retail strip. Again, super excellent location and in uh, a value add where, you know, it was built in the 80s and it looks like it was built in the 80s. Just needs some some work to it. But man, the demand is amazing. And so that's, that's one thing we've really leaned into over the last couple of years, Matt, is demand. Like we want properties that have high demand. And there's a couple things that drive demand. First of all, we want high demand. We want great location, high quality location. So there's a couple things that we really look for. And, and a couple, you know, we, we does it have a lot of good traffic going by it? But whether it's multifamily, single family, whether it's, well, single family is maybe a little different as far as traffic, but multifamily, commercial, like we want a lot of traffic. We want the right traffic too, right? So we're looking for higher end neighborhoods. It doesn't have to be like million dollar earners or anything, but we want a little higher end neighborhoods. And then we want the right things going on where people want to be here. So does it have a nice feel as far as the size goes? Does it have the amenities that people are looking for? Does it have inside the unit the amenities? So right now we really are high on washer dryers in the unit. We want it to have a washer dryer in the unit. We would love garages if garages are available. That's something we really highly uh, is in high desire right now. And we want some amenities, a pool, fitness center, you know, some green space, dog park, things like that. Those are high demand, you know, for commercial, for retail, you know, good parking, good access, uh, again, really excellent location. Can we make it look nice? Does it have a good not only road access, but then good access into the actual unit. Can 
can people get there really easily? Uh, or is it just a pain in the butt? Do they, do they not know who actually has a shop there, a, a, you know, a business there, or can they see it easily? So why are you interested in investing in multifamily, senior housing, and commercial as opposed to like single family or self-storage or mobile home parks? Yeah, you know, Matt, that's that's a good question. I, and, and there's no right or wrong answer. I think uh, all those can be great investments. Um, multifamily, we, we really like because we like the scale of multifamily. We like that it's a necessity. Uh, people need places to live. And we like the demographics that are happening. So people are staying in their properties longer. Um, that, you know, that population is a big population. It's going to continue to be a big population of people that want to stay or people that need to rent multifamily uh, housing. So think of people 30 and under. Um, and then also think of also people that are kind of empty nesters. 60 and over or really 55 and over. Um, so there's there's a, a lot of high demand and there's still too few housing units, although, you know, building's happening. So you got to kind of start to pay attention to what's going on in your individual area. Um, there probably will be some oversupply coming to certain markets, but we just like the overall fundamentals of multifamily. I think it's a long-term, like long-term, I think it's great. I don't see any, I don't see any problems. Short term, of course, there's always hiccups that'll happen and there might be some here in the next couple of years, but long-term, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, retail, industrial, industrial's obviously been just the darling of real estate along with multifamily. Uh, you know, we, we kind of know what's going on with a lot of these e-commerce and all that kind of stuff. So if you're in a great location, um, Industrial's fantastic. Uh, retail, again, retail, man, it's got a bad name. I think people like retail, ooh, office, ooh, like we don't like that. Why, why would you invest in that? But if you can get a great location with, you notice like the theme is location right now. Like great spot, great access, all the stuff I was talking about earlier. Retail is great, especially because we can drive the right tenants in there. So we just moved in uh, X-Golf into our current location. X-Golf is an indoor video simulator golf place. So people can go play a round of golf. In Minnesota, golf, I think Minnesota is the second, maybe it's even the first uh, biggest golf state in the country. But we have the shortest golf season in the country. Okay. So we have the most or one of the most, you know, amount of people per population in the country, yet we have the small season. So what do you think people want to do in the off season? They want to golf. Like we can't golf. Matt, we are talking right now and it is April 4th and there's like two feet of snow on the ground. People can't go golfing right now. X golf opened um, like a week ago and we then just on Friday, just a couple of days ago, we got 10 inches of snow. What do you think people want to do? They wanted to play golf. They're, they're, they woke up and they're like, this sucks. And they go, I'm going to go play X. I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to go to X golf. I'm going to, you know, burn off some steam and I'm going to hit some golf. Anyways, long story short is that that's the type of proper, that's the type of tenants we're looking for is experience driven. Can we drive that experience 
into our retail? And then can we have some supplemental type um, shops in there that people will still go and shop at? So experience, shopping, we're looking for stuff where it, they can't really buy it online. You can't buy an experience online. You can't buy X-Golf online, right? It's hard to make at home even. It's, it's very expensive. Um, people certainly do, but you know, you're talking like twenty to thirty thousand dollars for a simulator. Like most people aren't gonna do that. So can is it easy at home? No. Is it easy to buy online? No. Okay, put it there. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause uh, I mean, if you try to go golfing when there's two feet of snow, you're gonna have a few mulligans probably. Yeah, a couple of mulligans, you won't find your ball. <laughs> Indeed. So how are you finding your deals? Mainly brokers. Brokers build the relationships. You got to find, you got to build solid team. It's all about building your team. Um, so we find them through brokers every once in a while. We get leads from property management companies. We get leads from attorneys. We get leads from our um, CPA, you know, but usually it's, it's ultimately through a broker eventually that brings us the deal or that, Hey, the, the attorney knows the broker that's got to lead on this deal and connects the two of us together. Um, so our job is to really build solid relationships with brokers and uh, give them daily feedback or feedback when we have opportunities, just communication with them, build relationships, build friendships with them if there's that connection. Um, but good communication, clear and consistent. And, and, and that's, that's going to set you apart. The consistency is what's going to set you apart. Most people that are talking to brokers are talking to them only when they, they need something and, uh, they don't give them very good feedback. Um, you know, they, they just, they don't communicate well with them and, and that's going to set you apart to getting good deals. Yeah. And you mentioned you're part of a team. What's your role on your team? Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I'm kind of the guy that, that, uh, eats potato chips and, and drinks beer and just kind of hangs out. Hey, sounds and, good. uh, that's kind of cool. Cause I get, you know, I get a, a third of the, uh, third of the company. So no, my, my main role is, uh, building relationships with investors. And, uh, so, so, you know, raising the capital. So like, for instance, right now we've got a $9.4 million capital raise. Uh, my main role is to try to get $9.4 million of capital into the door. So I'm talking with investors on a daily basis, let him know what we're doing. I've got my own podcast, Matt, that you're you're on all the time. Um, so we talk a, a lot about what's going on in the market and try to educate our investors and, and that type of stuff. So that's kind of my main uh, role. I also uh, lead the construction management team um, to make sure our, our projects are moving along too. Yeah, that makes sense given your background with uh, flipping and swinging the hammer. Yeah, yeah, I've got a contractor's license and uh, been doing that for a long time. So, do you have the capacity to take on new passive investors, whether it's through this uh, nine point four million dollar raise or or future deals? Yeah, I mean, look, we we always are looking for new investors that want to create passive income. Um. I think it's a powerful tool. I wish I would have known about it at a lot younger age uh, because I had the need for it, right? When I was flipping houses, we made good money. And sometimes I couldn't deploy the capital because I couldn't find the right rental property 
to purchase. Sometimes it made a lot of sense or would have made a lot of sense to deploy 50 or 100 or $200,000 into a passive investment. And we want to be able to provide that opportunity to other people looking for a good solid place to keep their money. And I, I think, um, you know, most people want to own real estate, but most people think that the only way to own real estate is to buy a single family house and have, or buy a duplex or something like that. Quite frankly, that's probably the the, the worst thing for most people to do. It's definitely um, hard. Well, yeah, you know, most people want passive income and then they go buy a duplex and they wonder why they don't have passive income and why, you know, they're always at the duplex. And then they, they swear about real estate and they tell their, you know, cousins and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters that real estate's terrible and stupid and uh, never do it. Well, it's because they went out and bought themselves a job. Uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of here to hopefully pass along that message of saying, Hey, there's probably a better way. And uh, I think we've, we've got a good product that we can offer that can provide a good experience. So yeah, we're always, we're always looking to serve. Um, those those types of people. How can a passive investor determine whether or not you and your team are, are a good match for what they're looking for? Well, I think that was the key right there that you just said, the, a good match, right? So not everybody's for me and I'm not for everybody, right? It, 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 and that's fine. Um, so you have to determine kind of what you're looking for. What, what are you looking to try to achieve? Uh, we can serve a lot of different types of people, but we can't serve everybody. And so, you know, what are you trying to achieve? What What are your goals? How are you, you know, how, how quickly do you want your money back? Um, how much money do you have to invest? You know, how passive do you want to be? How active do you want to be? Uh, what, you know, what's your risk tolerance? All that kind of stuff. So you have to understand, I think, first and foremost, who you are as an investor, what your risk tolerance is, what your expectation for your money is. You know, some people... Some people come to me with the expectation they want to invest in one of my deals and they come to me with the expectation that they're going to get their money back in one to two years. And that's not going to make a, that's not going to be a fit for me because we don't do deals that you'll get your money back in one to two years. Now, potentially, but that's not, that's not how the deal is set up, right? The deal is set up for a five to eight year hold. So if you expect to get your money in one to two, even three years, I say, look, this isn't the right fit for you. Um, you know, if you want to make 30% on your money, that's your expectation. I say, look, this isn't the right fit for you. Could you? Absolutely. We've made our investors 50% return on their money on an annualized basis, but it doesn't happen every time, you know, and it's certainly not the expectation, right? Um, and then the other thing too is, you know, we're doing value add properties, Matt. And so again, it, when we're doing value add, it's not cash flow day one. A lot of them don't cash flow for a year or two, sometimes even longer, depending on the deal. If we're doing a massive, massive value add, it might not cash flow for three, four years. And, and we tell our investors, like, look, this is what it looks like. Here's our pro forma. You're not going to cash flow. But if you're like, hey, I need cash flow day one, well, then probably don't invest in that deal. Now, we do have some deals that maybe do cash flow day one, like this this deal we're offering right now. We do cash flow day one. But um, so I think understanding your criteria, really getting to know the sponsor. Do you like them? Do you not? Do you, do you trust them? You, we got, you got to trust the sponsor. You got to trust who they are. Um, you got to, you got to feel comfortable. And then you got to feel comfortable with where they're investing and what they're investing in. And uh, some of that, you know, it has to just be a learning curve. And eventually you just got to, he's got to put that foot forward, right? Eventually, I think you, I think you get to know. So what I always suggest, Matt, 
is that have, have an investor call with me. Give me a call. Let's talk, right? Let's have a good conversation. I'll tell you everything about what we're doing. I'll answer all your questions. And then you get it on my email list. And I send you monthly emails. And I'll send you the deals we have. Look at those deals. Get comfortable with them. Read our emails. Get comfortable. Listen to my podcast. Get comfortable. Once you're at that comfort level, once you've taken that time, two, three, five months, seven years, whatever it might be, maybe not seven years, but then eventually you just got to go, look, let's try 50 grand and let's see what happens. It's like any investment, right? You got to take the risk to get the opportunity. What's the problem that you had with one of your investments and how was it handled? Man, I've had so many problems, Matt, with 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 my investments. I mean, it's just constant. There's constantly problems that you have to figure out how to solve and you have to be willing to solve. And I think this business, you just have to have thick skin. You have to have thick skin. You have to be able to sit, look at your problems head on and go, how do we solve it? What do we need to do here to put this fire out and move forward? And what's what's the best solution? Sometimes there's no perfect solution. Usually there's no perfect solution, but what's the best solution to move forward with? So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I'll, I'll give you an example, I guess, of, of a problem we had with a property and we had a property that we had. Um, well, this is one of maybe, maybe my worst um, deals, bigger deals, I guess. Um, it ended up working out well in the end, right? So purchase this property. It was an 84 unit apartment building. Uh, it was a C minus neighborhood, just not great. Would never buy there again. Old property built in 1972, never buy uh, that property again. Um, and it just had all kinds of issues, Matt. We had plumbing issues. We had roof issues. We had a gas line burst. We had all kinds of issues with that property that we had to continually solve for Um and we had to really mind our budget because we didn't budget for all that stuff. So we had to really mind our budget. We, it got tight um, and uh, and had to kind of pull back on some of the renovations we planned on doing because of that. Um, and, you know, look, we, we had to work really hard at pulling back on the renovations yet continuing the renovations to, to an extent to be able to get those units rented out, to be able to get to maximize our returns and to be able to eventually sell the asset. So I don't know, I'm trying to think of like how I can give lessons here, but I think the major lesson I would tell people is understand the asset you're buying and the risks that are involved in it and over budget for those things. And really think about, can you handle these risks? And so the risks that I missed out and didn't probably catch that I should have caught is that this building was built in 1972. And it had galvanized piping and it had cast iron waste, right? So galvanized supply, cast iron waste. And it was going to have a lot of plumbing issues. It just was. And I didn't budget for those plumbing issues properly. I did budget for them, but not properly. Not that, not that age of a property. And um, I didn't do probably deep enough due diligence and got caught on some of those major repairs. Now, had we budgeted another $100,000 for the plumbing, we could have hit that plumbing head on and we could have fixed the problem from the start and we could have cash flowed better 
and we probably would have made even a more successful investment. Now I still was able to pay my investors like, I think it was like a 15 or 16 IRR. So it worked out, but it could have probably been a 25 IRR if, if I would have budgeted right. Oh, wow. I mean, 15, 16 is still good, but uh, 25 is certainly noticeably better. Yeah. Good. All right. Are you ready for a speed round? Let's do it. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? It's passive. You and, don't have to do anything. Excellent. And what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? I, it's possible. Like it's out there. I didn't know it was even out there, Matt. Like uh, passive investing to me was investing in the stocks, bonds, mutual funds. That's all I knew. I didn't know real estate could be passive. So I think that in itself is like the, wow, the, the light bulb went off and you know, this was a while ago, but just didn't even know it was out there. Uh, what's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Man, there's so many great books. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend faster than normal. Faster than normal. Uh, I'm trying to think of the author, author's name. I, I got ADHD, Matt. I, it's okay. hard for me to concentrate. It's uh, I'm just super. I'm faster than normal. Um, but I think it's a great book for anybody because most of you know, most people that are listening to this know somebody or they might be themselves. That's ADHD, ADHD, or they just get distracted easily, which might mean you're ADHD and you don't even know it. But either way, it gives you a lot of good tips and habits on how to be successful with focus. And focus is so hard for everybody. So I don't think you need to have ADHD. I don't think you need to know somebody with ADHD, but I think it just really helps anybody with focus. So faster than normal. Uh, it's a great book. And it's by Peter Shankman. Peter Shankman. There you go. Excellent. And how can our uh, listeners get in contact with you if they want to have an investor call or just uh, get to know about uh, more about what you have going on in real estate? Yeah. So best website is endurusscapital.com, E-N-D-U-R-U-S capital.com. My email is Todd at endurusscapital.com. Uh, Pillars of Wealth Creations, the podcast, uh, you can listen to uh, that. We do two episodes a week, Matt, uh, Matt and I chit chat about just whatever's going on in the market once a week. And then I always have a guest, uh, that interview as well. So Pillars of Wealth Creation, you can listen to it the same place you're listening to this. Uh, of course, after the show, listen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, those are, those are probably the couple best ways. I am on social media, DM me, tell me, hey, I listened to the, um, you know, you, I listened to you on Matt's show and otherwise I probably won't connect with you, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm really bad at making the, you know, somebody makes a friend request. I'm really bad at accepting it. Yeah. You get, got to get a social media manager. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, is there anything else you want to uh, mention that we haven't talked about yet? Man, I, I mean, I could talk to, I, I think you could tell I could talk for a long time. So you know, look, I mean, real estate's a, a great asset for people to be involved in and uh, you know, you got to decide, is it passive or is it active for you? And it can be both, I guess, too. Um, but I think you got to look at yourself and go, what am I trying to really achieve? And if it's to achieve financial freedom and be passive, then go passive. If it's to create a new job or a new business, then go active. So you got to decide, are you looking to create a job or are you looking to 
you know, create your own business or you're looking to uh, create some financial freedom and decide which one's right for you. But it's a, it's a great business to be in. And I think it needs to be in every single person's portfolio. Couple, couple things, Matt, um, for, for those listening, we do have this 94 unit Columbus, Ohio, it's townhouse style apartment that, that it is still available for investors. If they want to look at it, whether you invest in it or not, I think it's a great opportunity to just check it out and uh, kind of see what other people are doing. It's a kind of a free learning tool, quite frankly. Um, so even if you don't invest, it's just a cool free learning tool. Um, again, just connect on our website or, or email me, uh, Todd at com. Last thing I want to mention is if you're in Minnesota, we have a um, luncheon that's happening in April, uh, April 20... 26th, 26th, April 26th. Um, check it out. It's uh, northstarunlimited.live, northstarunlimited.live. And uh, you can check that out. So we're, we're talking about, basically, we're talking about this. We're talking about raising capital. Excellent. Well, I'll include all this info in the sh uh, show notes. And uh, thanks, Todd. It's been great having you on. We'll have to have you on again soon. Let's do it. Sounds great. good. Well, thanks and have a great day. Too. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.